Today we're going to be in Psalms chapter 32. So if you turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 32, um, the sermon title for today is The Joy of Restoration. There's a quote by uh, Charles Spurgeon, and this is what he said. And I thought this was such a good quote. After I read it, I sat there and I just thought about it for a while. It says, God does not permit his children to sin successfully. <laughs> God does not permit his children to sin successfully. Each and every one of us have experienced um, the poor, the pain of poor choices in our lives. Each and every one of us has experience of the pain of a series of poor choices in our lives. But one of the things that I want you to know is that God uses those things. How is it that you came to salvation? You, you came to salvation because you were making poor choices and something was lacking and you came to the end of yourself and recognized your need for God. But it's a funny thing that happens. Uh, a lot of times when that happens uh, and we recognize my poor choices led to God revealing himself and me making the greatest decision that I could possibly make in my life. And then once we're saved and going through a sanctification process, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, one of the things that we're aware of is at times we still make poor choices. The, the thing about that is how uh, other believers sometimes look at that or even what we think about that for ourselves. But God uses our failures. He uses those bad choices many times as object lessons for us. He brings us through a process and he grows us in those very things. So it's not only uh, what led us to salvation, but it is what keeps us going along in a certain direction as we grow and become more like Christ. Amen? Let's turn to chapter 32 of Psalms. If you don't mind, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. I'm reading out of the CSB, and it says, How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. 
I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eyes on you, I will give you counsel. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be controlled with a bit and bridle or else it will not come near you. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Father, your word is so good, it's so encouraging, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are so merciful, that you are so gracious, Lord, that you are always doing a work in us, Lord, that you have taught us to trust in you. Today, Lord, as we hear your words, do a work in our hearts, Lord. Give us a confidence for us to know that you are in complete control of everything and that you use all things, Lord, for your good, for your purposes, for those that love you. Be glorified this day, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Put us on right course. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this psalm um, is uh, one of the first psalms that uh, David wrote. It was a song of skillful song. It was a song of, of instruction. It was a contemplative poem. It was something that he went through. And as God brought him through a process, he was able to sit there and analyze those things and come to certain conclusions. David wrote this psalm after confessing to God his sin, his sin of adultery, his sin of murder, and his sin of deception. That's a big category to come and to confess to God about. He went through this whole period that he laid out in this psalm and God brought him through all the way to a point that he shared what he learned from his costly experience. One of the things that I like about this psalm and if you notice right away is David did not sit there and catalog his sin. David just started out and launching into praising God because of who God is. 
that God had blessed the disobedient after that they after he was forgiven. God blesses even our disobedience after we are forgiven. He uses everything. And that is a great thing for us to know. David was able to do that because he did not allow his sin to define him. It is only God who could define who David was. And we know that God says of David, he is a man after my own heart. So often we allow our past or circumstances, what other people say, to define us. We even uh, allow what we think about ourselves that a lot of times is skewed, it's not even actual, to define us. We let small things that we hear, whether it be a facial expression, a way someone treats us, people that we want to give honor to that should not hold that place maybe, and we allow what they say and the way they treat us for us to take that in on ourselves. But actually, it is one person that defines us. The only person that can define you is the one who made you. The only person that can define you is the one that knows every single thing about you. Not what something looks like. Not what it appears, not something that you did, not something that they think of you. It is only one person that's always with you. It's only one person that created you. It's only one person that should hold that kind of influence in your own heart and mind. And David came to that recognition. This is um, such a beautiful psalm because it starts out in verse 1 saying how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. One of the things that we have to understand is when we transgress, it's against God. It's against God first and foremost. It, It can affect people. We can transgress even onto ourselves, but actually all sin that we commit, that transgression, that rebellion is against God. But it goes on to say that he covers our sin. The only one who can cover our sin is Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus that covers our sin. So you might think, wait a minute, in history, David came and he was in the Old Testament and Jesus is in the New Testament. David's sin, like our sin, like all sin, can be covered by one thing, and that is the blood of Jesus. We look back at the cross and what Jesus did in a moment in time in history. 
His blood today covers our sins. They look forward to the promise to come. And the blood of Jesus covered their sins. There is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And there's no permanent remission of sin other than the sinless blood of Jesus. He alone was in the position to do that. So because of his sin being covered, he said, how joyful is that one? David tried to cover his sin. But he only made it worse. We can only multiply our sin when we try to hide it. One of the things that we say to our kids right off the bat when we know they did something wrong. Come clean. Don't lie. Don't try to hide it. It's going to be worse. Well, what's our tendency? They figured it out many times in the past, but this time, maybe I got my game down pat and I won't be discovered and I'll be able to get off scot-free. It's just the way we are. But we can never be that way with God. What can we ever hide from God? The one who is always there that knows everything about us knows us so intimately. We can never hide anything from him. It goes on to say in verse 2, how joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For a day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. At the each one of these things, it says, Selah, which means pause, which means reflect on what's being said. Contemplate these things. Don't just run through it, but each one of these statements, just like rest in it. And think about the impact of the statement. God uses our failures. He used our failures to save us. We didn't come to God because every part of our life was complete. We were looking for love. We were looking for satisfaction. We were looking for purpose. We were looking for peace. We were looking for freedom. And we couldn't find it. And as we look for those things, we transgress God, trying to fill that void. But he uses all of these things to draw us to himself. It says, how joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity. When we think about a charge, we think about jail. Right? We think a charge against you means a price needs to be paid. You're guilty of something and you're going to be punished. So imagine you're facing a lot of time and you beat the case. 
there would be great joy. And that's what David is talking about here. Us that our transgressions have not been charged against us, we should have great joy in that. But what if the judge and what if the jury knew that you were guilty? And and they were going to let you go. But the criteria was you had to confess. That's what is happening here. How joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and whose spirit is no deceit. You got to come clean. You, you have to be up front with the Lord about what you did. It says, when I kept silent, meaning before I confessed, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. It was killing them. What, what happens when we have things on us that that we don't confess. And, and because we don't confess it, we got to rationalize it. We got to justify it. We got to do all kind of acrobatics in our mind and in our heart. And it still doesn't work. It just continues to gnaw at us. It says, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. Because sin will cause us to lose fellowship with God. And God allows you to go through those things to draw you back into repentance. It says, my strength was drained as in the summer heat. When we refuse to confess our sins, when we have that break in fellowship with God, it will affect us physically. It can affect us mentally and emotionally. It's definitely affecting us spiritually. See, chastening is not a judge punishing a criminal. It's a loving father dealing with his disobedient child to bring him to a willing place of surrender. See, when we look at God, yes, God is a judge, but when he is dealing with his children, says a loving father. He's not not punishing you, he's chastening you. He's correcting you to draw you back to him and to make you look more like God. And through our whole sanctification process, we go through this. So it's not just God used our disobedience and our wrong decisions to bring us to him, and then we were saved, and we weren't going to deal with that anymore. No, throughout our Christian life. And that does not mean we willfully disobey. That doesn't mean we willfully sin, because Paul addressed that. Like, no, God forbid, right? We don't trample on grace. But one of the things that we know, as people, we sin. One of the things we know about our God is he restores his children. 
there's a constant process of that, of us slipping up, making another mistake, right? Getting certain areas in our lives under control by the Holy Spirit and him removing that. And then number two pops up, pops up into the number one position. Now, this is the main thing we have to deal with. And it's a process that we keep going through like our whole life. But what does it hinge on? It hinges on, on us making mistakes, us doing things that we shouldn't be doing, coming to a recognition, presenting that to God, asking God, to cleanse us and to change us and to grow us, and he does. God's chastening is a proof that God loves us. It's the evidence that we're his children. When we cry out to him, it says in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. That's what children do. They run to their father for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise in our God. That is why we come and the first thing we do is worship God. Because he's put this new song in our heart. Because we know that we were in violation. He turned our hearts. He drew us close. We came to the end of ourselves and we embraced him. And all the while, trying to love him the best we can, we make mistakes along the way. And he's continually renewing us and changing us and growing us as we confess our sins and come to him. It says in verse 5, then I acknowledge my sin. I, I, I confronted it. I, I dealt with it. I stopped lying to myself and to God. To you, and I did not conceal it. First off, we cannot conceal it from God. What can we hide from him? I did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. You forgave the guilt of my sin. David was holding on to that for a long time. But as soon as he came clean with God, how long did it take God to forgive him? It was immediate. It was as soon as he confessed it. God forgives his children instantly. And there is a great freedom in forgiveness. God redeems. Humans fail. But you know what? Your failure did not take God by surprise. God knows your future failures. 
He knows the beginning from the end. God didn't say to David, uh, you're going to murder somebody, you're going to commit adultery, and then you're going to try to hide it so mm, can't make you king. Sometimes we think when someone is in a position and something happens like they should have never been in that position in the first place. No, God put them there. God put David in that position. Knowing the beginning from the end, knowing what David was going to do, and after David did what he did and confessed to God, before that happened and after, he is a man after God's own heart. So we have to know even for ourselves while we're going through this stuff and holding on to the past and this, that, and the other and wondering, should I be doing this and should I be doing that? If, if it's perfection, then you can't do anything because none of us are that. There's, there's a standard. There's holiness we seek. There's intimacy in walking with God. I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is, God knew what you were going to do that was messed up before you did it. He, he knows your mess ups that are going to come down the line. And he's still using you. He still called you. He still positioned you right now. Because that's not the criteria. Remember, remember what the criteria was. The, the, the one who has transgression and God covers it by the blood of Jesus. Your story is still being written. So what we have to do is continue to walk out what God has called us to do. Because God's children cannot fail God's love and redemption. You cannot outfail God's love and redemption. God's children cannot outfail God's love and redemption. Look what this guy did. Took somebody's wife. When he had a whole lot of wives. Someone that worked for him that was loyal. Then he tried to cover it up. Then he had to kill him. And then he kept it. Like, you know what? We'll just make this go away. I'm the king. And it started beating him to death. And he had to confront it. That didn't remove him from his position. And sometimes that's necessary. He paid the consequence of his actions, as we all do. Right? Consequence is part of us growing and learning. Don't do that again. Some consequences are permanent. Some consequences are temporary. But anything that God allows to happen, and he does, it's for our good and for his glory. As hard as it is, as painful as those things are, it's still for good. The first consequence David paid 
this, this child is going to die. So what did he do? He petitioned the Lord on his face, not eating, not drinking. Maybe God will relent and let this child live. And God chose not to. And he got up. He washed his face. And he sat down. And he ate and drank. So even the things that God says, no, this happened, this is the consequence, part of our growth and development is the acceptance of those things, knowing that God still loves you, knowing that God still called you to things, and knowing that God is doing that for your own good. It says, um, you know, the, 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 the funny part about that is so often we don't recognize how when we are sincere and when we come to God, how he's just, that's done. God does not have to work through emotions before he forgives us. He already knew what you were going to do. You, you're already his child. He doesn't have to like, okay, when I get over this, then, you know, uh, we could talk about it, and then maybe I'll see what the limitations for you are going to be. None, none of that. Like, we do that, right? Like, sometimes, uh, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but like sometimes my wife will do something to me, and then a minute later she just wants to act like, like that never happened. I'm like, yo, I'm still working through this. And one of her favorite lines is, get over, get over it, Tiger. It ain't that important. <laughs> because my wife lets things go, like, instantly. Like, it, it takes me a minute. That's not how God operates. But, but what about things that are between, like, that person and God, even if it, like, affected us, and we want to hold it? Like, over individuals. Over situations. We, we, want, we want to keep it. Right? We even do that sometimes in our own marriage. Right? I'm going to hold this just because I need to teach you a lesson. Right? Instead of letting God do what God does. And, and we've all been guilty of that. And if we do it to our, our spouse, if we do it to our kid, <laughs> then we'll do that to anybody. As um, David went through this process, and, and, and as he was able to praise God because he said, all of this stuff is done, and God has forgiven me. And verse 6, it says, therefore, meaning now that I know this, let everyone who is faithful, pray to you immediately. In other words, don't wait. I shouldn't have waited. I should have just came clean to you from the beginning, God. But I didn't. And I had to go through this process. But I'm going to tell everyone else, don't, don't wait. Now that I've experienced this, I'm telling you something happens between you and God, come clean immediately. David goes on to say, you are my hiding place. 
David exchanged hidden sin for a hiding place. It says, you protect me from trouble. Like trouble he caused himself. But, you know, like us, like trouble we cause ourselves. That he even protects us from that. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. And then God says, I will instruct you and show you the way to go with my eye on you. God has his eye on you. I will give counsel. I'll instruct you. I'll show you the way. I will give you counsel. God is attentive. But he says, don't, do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be controlled. By bit and bridle, or else it will not come near you. Right? A horse, if he's not pulled by bit and bridle, he's not going to come. He said, don't be like that without understanding. Don't be without understanding. Running away from the only one who can heal. The only one who can forgive. The only one who can help. The only one who can restore, the only one who can repair, the only one who can redeem your situation. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The psalm started off, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven. How joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity. You are my hiding place. You protect me in trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. So be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright, upright in heart, and in right standing with God. Because your transgression is covered by the blood of Jesus. We, we've, had, um, we've had a rough year here in our church like a lot of things have transpired but God has been so faithful God has been so good I know God has done a deep work in my heart and I know he's done a deep work in your heart I can see the different things of what God is doing and how he's bringing all of these things together. Because sometimes we need glimpses of like, God, is, is this really what you want? Is this how you want things to go? And step by step and day by day, he's just confirming by the things that we can tangibly see, this is what I've called. God is going to continue to do great things in our church. One of the people um, that has been a great help to me through this whole process is, is Pastor Angelo. 
and um, a lot of things. I just, you know, seek the Lord and God, which way would you have me to move in this direction? Certain things, because God called me to this position, he has already given me certain skill sets and things that he would knew, that he knew that I would need, that he started setting up long ago. And when it just becomes like a natural thing, no, this is how this works, this is how this goes, right? But with his leading all the while. But one of the things um, my father taught me is um, you don't need to know everything. What you need to know is who knows. There's certain things I just have to say, um, Pastor Angelo, what what would you do in this situation? And um, (laughs) the, the funny thing is, where on one hand, I wouldn't want Pastor Angelo to um, like try to micromanage me or anything like that, and he doesn't. On the other hand, like when I'm asking him stuff like that, like I want to know, he's sometimes just like, you're the pastor. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Who, who's the founder and been the pastor here for 22 years, and I'm like six months in, I appreciate that. In a way that's healthy and necessary, um, in another way he's, he's invaluable. And God has brought Pastor Angelo through a restoration process. Some of those things are evident to the people here. Some of those things are a little bit more behind the scenes, and I've watched, and I've looked, and, and it's, been, it's been hard. Um, but that season is, is over, and it's time for Pastor Angelo to be seen more publicly. Um, up here playing the bass, I don't know if you guys know that he's a professional bass player, I don't know, you know, if arthritis kicked in or we'll see when he gets up there. But he, he certainly um, called to counsel and, and to preach and, and to teach, and, and he's going to be doing those things here. So what I want to do is um, call him up now. Um, I'm going to ask the leadership to come up, the deacons and also Jesse, and we want to lay hands on him, and we want to pray for him. And God is moving us forward in this church, in every functioning part of the body. It's going to be used here. Amen? Come on up, Pastor Angela. I know you have a beautiful escort, but I'll lend you mine. (laughs) Don't hold hands too long. (laughs) Would you please extend your hands, and you guys, please lay your hands on Pastor Angelo. Father, we, we thank you. 
we thank you for all things. We thank you that you use all things, Lord. We thank you for this season because you've stretched us, you've grown us, Father, and you continue to point us north, Lord. Continue to show us the way. You've continued to be faithful, Lord. We thank you how you are always restoring each and every one of us, Lord. That we're continually coming to you and ask that you would hide our transgressions, Lord, under the blood of Jesus. And continue to fill us with your spirit and have us to do the things you've called us to do. We thank you for this man of God, this shepherd, the one that you have used, Father, all these years to lead this church. We thank you for the work that you have done in his heart. We thank you that he is here and you want to use him mightily, Lord. So we pray a hedge of protection around him. We ask that you would continue to pour into him, Lord, that you would continue to anoint him and fill him, and that you would do a work in this body, in the things that you've placed in him and the way you want to use him, Lord. We thank you that each one of us is a broken vessel coming to you, and you said we are your temples that you have filled with your Holy Spirit and called us to different functioning parts of this body. So we thank you for who he has been, who he is today, and who you have called him to be, and what you're going to do in him and through him at Light of the World Church. Be glorified this day, Lord. We look so forward to our tomorrows in you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Worship team, can you, can you come up, please? As I, um, as I said earlier, your story is still being written. His story is still being written. My story is still being written. And one thing that we can stand on is in Romans 5, 8, it says... But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do, do you know what that means? That, that means your, your past sins, while you were sinning, not acknowledging him, and he drew you. That, that means your present sin, things you struggle with, things you have to continually commit to him that he knows about as a born again, washed in the blood, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled believer, those things you still struggle with, Jesus died for that. Those things that 
You have no intention, or maybe you do, that are in the present that's going to trip you up, sins we're going to commit, even those things, Jesus died for that. It helps us to know we can stand secure in who God is, in the blood and the power of that blood in covering our lives. Past, present, and future. And God is going to keep changing you and growing you and using you for his glory. In this place, in the other areas in life that he's called you to. That is something to be joyful about. When David was restored in relationship with God. He was falling apart. He was deteriorating. And when that season was over, all he could speak about was joy. We need to have a great joy in our hearts. And if you don't know that kind of joy that is found only in him. He accepts you exactly the way you are because he loves you. He will not keep you the way you are because he loves you. But it starts with knowing who he is, coming into relationship with Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin, and acknowledging, David had to acknowledge, you are God. I have transgressed. You are holy. And I can't get to you on my own, no matter what I do. I can only accept the free gift of salvation through my sins being washed in the blood of Jesus you don't know that kind of forgiveness, that kind of freedom, today's your day. So whether you're online or in this place, know that Jesus wants to wash your sins away as you acknowledge your transgression and come to him and ask him to wipe your slate clean. Come into relationship with him and be filled by the Holy Spirit which is a down payment, which is a confidence that we have that we are in Christ. Do that this day. If there's anyone in this place that does not know the Lord in this way and wants to, I'd like you to raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you. Is there anyone in this place For you online. God loves you. He died for your sins, past, present, and future. Acknowledge him. Recognizing you can get to the Father no other way but through the Son. Repent. And he will wash your slate clean.
I, I don't know what old tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you what you've done and what you're doing. We thank you that we can have a great joy because you haven't counted our transgressions against us. You've covered them. They're washed in the blood of Jesus. So no matter what comes our way, we can have a great joy. We can also have a great joy knowing that you said in this psalm that you would lead us. That you would instruct us, Lord. That you're watching over us, oh God. We look forward to our tomorrow. Not because we know what's going to happen, but we know who's in it. We know that you haven't called us failures, but victors. Because we share in the victory that Jesus secured for us. And that we know he is at the right hand of the Father. Interceding for us daily. Oh, thank you, God. Let us walk out of this place recognizing what you've done and having a great confidence and not only what that meant for our past, but what it means for our eternity. Not some far off eternity even for the next hour, the next day, but forever. Be glorified in your house this day. And in each one of our hearts, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.